And welcome to Diamond Dreams Miami Up and In, episode 17. They're coming fast and furious now, Mike. Oh my God, it is nonstop. We got a floored. Somebody asked me today, they're like, man, are you guys recording every other day? We sure What's are. up, you know? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There's a lot of ideas that we're throwing back and forth to each other. Oh, yeah. A lot going on. Yeah, man, for sure. I want to get Dom Mattingly on. <laughs> would love to get Dom Mattingly on, but we'll talk a little bit about his launch angle, you know, thoughts and stuff. Because, um, Mike, you know, Mike sent it to me today, and I was like, man, this guy speaks the truth, right? Oh man, he, uh, you know, as like I was telling him on Dito, and and uh, you know, yeah, as a manager for me, I was like, kind of like over the whole Mattingly thing, you know. I was ready for him to start doing something else, but I started. I'm seeing him more and more and more and more on social media. Like talking about hitting, and I've mentioned this on on our podcast before that, dude. The more he does that, the more I'm like getting back to like, damn man, like this guy is really, 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 really knows what he's talking about. Listen you know? to me, to me, the guy's a god, and uh, <laughs> I grew up idolizing that guy, favorite player of all time. Met the guy, I, I, I put my, um, which I mentioned the story. I put my my media credential at the Dodgers Giants uh, opening day game one year. At risk to take a picture with him. <laughs> and the PR guy it. the PR guy came up to me, ah, you can't do that. I'm like, listen, man, this guy's my idol. He's got oh, an okay, exception. Okay. You got a mulligan cool, there. Cool, cool, cool. The opening song, Sammy Love. We got to show him some love always. Love it. I'm thinking when we get close to 30, we'll maybe drop a hint on the next one. Yeah, man, for sure. Evil Love Music on Instagram. And we were kind of joking around. Uh, we were we were outside. We're here at uh, Mike's, Mike's mom's house. We were outside. And there was some music playing. One of the neighbors had some little salsa, little merengue going, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, we could we could have the uh, we could have the you know the songs playing in the in the background." But our special guest today, who we'll we'll, we'll introduce in in just a second, he said, "Wait, but that would be a conflict with Sammy Love. You can't do that to Sammy Love." No, absolutely and not. I, we can't. We're exclusive. It's only her. <laughs> and as always, how is it, Mike? It's ours, baby. It's ours. It's ours. It's ours. Exclusive. Diamond Dreams Miami Academy, I mean, Diamond Dreams Miami up and in, presented by... Diamond Dreams Miami, we're here uh, a couple weeks uh, away from opening day, getting our teams going, our uniforms going, getting everything squared up, we're ready to go. Yeah, Team Kelly Green is is ready. I did a little chat with the with, with the coaches of the team, and I put Kelly Kapowski, that's our, that's our mascot. Kelly Kapowski, saved by the bell for Team wow. Kelly Green. Nice, those kids have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> At least, at least, uh, at least the coaches did. That's you know, it, like, exactly. Oh, man. It's got to be fun for everybody. And, and we grew up. We grew up with great Kellys, by the way. Kelly Kapowski, Kelly Bundy, and Kelly Taylor from 90210. There you go. Gotta love the Kellys. Yep. And also Armando Alvarez, realtor. Um, I'm a real estate agent here in Miami. So for all your uh, real estate needs, you know what to contact. And I want to introduce our special guest for the day, Carlos Casanueva, who kicked some butt over at South Miami back in the day, state champion. Welcome to Diamond Dreams Miami Up and In. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me here. I mean, what you guys are doing is great, man. I mean, thank you. I, I wish back when I was growing up, my parents had an outlet like this to listen to and get advice from because you've had great guests over here. A couple of friends of mine have been on here. Uh, David Burnett, early on you had him. Yep. yep. You had a uh, sure high school teammate of mine, Steven Suarez, who had good advice too. Um, and lately, Espy and Omar and, you know, those guys, they know what they're talking about, so... I'll Good tell job. you what, um, Carlos has been a listener since episode one. Nice. No yeah, shenanigans man. about I, it. You know, every episode he'll write to me the next morning, and 
And he's he's li- he's less definitely listening. So I, I wanted to get him on. He lives a little far away. Where are you living now, Carlos? Delray Beach. Right living now, in Delray yeah. Beach, just man. Boca. Just north of nice. Boca. Drove yeah. down. Been trying to I've get him on. I've to vacation up there. But yeah. It's nice. Yeah, no, now you know. Maybe we can do something in his house <laughs> next time. We can do something <laughs> on the road. Anytime. I like Delray. But, um, you know, um, drove down and, and, you know, he always had some. I've read a couple of his things that he's written to me on, on the shows. And it'd be good to have him on. So. Absolutely, and I'm sure I'm sure you're gonna bring a, a wealth of knowledge to Carlos. And you know, I've been asking this of you know Omar. I've been asking this of of SP. Um, tell me about your baseball experience. You know, when did your love for the game start? Where did you play growing up? Because you know, it, it's always cool to listen where where guys that played ball locally developed. Yeah. So my um my grandfather's the one that introduced me to the game, and he was you know like every. Or, like, not every, but every old Cuban in the area. He's a big-time Yankee fan. Die hard Yankee. Good man. You know, <laughs> at his house, I remember early on, he would get, he was, he subscribed to uh, Baseball America, Yankees Magazine, and he would read, back, back in the day, we got what, Mets, Mets and Braves. Yeah. Mets and Braves on TV. We yeah. really didn't have, you know, Yes yeah. Network and, and all that stuff. So I would sit there and just flip through at five years old, look at the pictures, right? I didn't, I didn't know what was going on, but he followed it religiously. <laughs> um, I started playing at five. All right, around the corner from my house, and then I, I probably a couple years later, international, uh, international, international Rolando yeah. Hernandez, Rolando, Rolando, yeah. And this was the beginning when they had the name Conseco on the back and, and all that stuff. So I started there, and probably I would say seven, eight, all the way through till about fourteen years Rolando old. Rolando at that time was in South Miami at that time. No, he, he was started. Over... He started at Robert King High, man. That was Flagler in sixty ninth. That's right. Wow. And yeah, because they, they were they were at yeah. Little Havana before, and then they they started in Little Havana Academy, right? Yeah, right. his uh, grandkids go to Saint Brown. Yeah, yeah, that's right. La- Laura's, yeah, Laura's Laura's kids. kids. So. Cool man, cool. So then he ended up moving to Ro- uh, Ruben Dario, right here on Flagler ninety eight. I think ninety seven. All right, and then he ended up at what's I think it's still called Palmer Park on yeah, South Miami. Yeah, he was there for a long time. So I was there for a while, and uh, at fourteen I went to Pascual. You know, growing up, great, played a great place, group. great place. <laughs> Did you did you uh, play with Pineda? That guy's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, he's gotta amazing. love Pineda. I actually he's still he's still around. Funny, my dad and I took him to Yankee Stadium. One wow, year. we took out we took him out there to New York. That guy is. I mean, that guy. I don't know how old he was at the time, but that guy, jeez. He he, does, he doesn't he doesn't age. I, he I, doesn't. People tell me that he's, he's over at Latino Americano. He's, he's over at Latino Americano over in Grapevine. I, I, I used to get a Christmas card. Oh yeah, um, international it was Ace Colors, right? Ace colors, was, right? Oakland Ace colors, yeah. colors, just like sure this, yeah. Um, but like I said, when I started, it said sponsored by Conseco in the back. I mean, great years there, great, yes. great. You know, growing up there, playing at Boys and Girls Club on Thirty uh, Second and, and US One. I know you guys a, have talked a, a lot a, about a, Tammy Amy. So a guy, you, a guy, you, absolutely. And another side story: my grandfather actually was the he used to run the stats for that park. So he he would he was a scorekeeper. He was an announcer. In the nine and ten, eleven and twelve field, nice. But he was a scorekeeper there, so all the fields nice. would turn in the stats to him, and every week they'd update the stats, That's and the guys would go up. A lot of good players came through there, man. A lot a of lot. Great, actually great. I remember great. they used to put that stat list on the side of one of the dugouts. They used to tape it on the side. Yes, oh, they, had, they yes. had a little hut. The they down. had a little hut. I remember going bad. over there and like looking yeah. up the averages yeah. and the the pitchers and the, all that. Well, the scorekeeper had a little hut. That was my grandfather. He was sitting in there and announcing the names. Uh, I'm, and then I'm on sure the I met si- him on the side of that building. They had the stats put up every week. They'd update it so the kids would go. 
you know, if they had a game, they'd come before the game and pass by. Oh, everybody get excited and stuff. Yeah, now it's all that game changer and then stat. Everything's Ooh, just. Uh, My grandfather would have known what to do. How, how things have changed. changed. Huh? Oh, man. <laughs> he would actually sit there on his typewriter, and if he messed up, he had to white it out. And I, you know, cool stories, you know, back then. No, really great, cool. great times, yeah. man. No, but you know, and I know, I know a lot of us, you know, grew up watching, you know, Yankee baseball, Mets, Braves, whatever you could watch down here. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a that's a cool story. You and your grandpa watching watching the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, he would he was diehard. Like die, when I say diehard, he was an he, he was an umpire back in Cuba, and 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 he used to tell me stories that you know, way back way back before he used to follow the Yankees and stuff, mantle and stuff like that, and he passed it on to me. And as a little kid, you know, when I started, when I saw that and started learning from him, I used to collect baseball cards. I used to try to memorize, all right, Ozzie Smith, Cardinals, <laughs> yep. Howard Johnson, Mets, yep. Yep. Uh, you know, Tony Gwynn, Potter. I used to memorize that at five and six, and then that grew the love. And when I really fell in love with the sport was probably, I'd say, nine or ten. My dad started taking me every year to spring training games. And that was amazing. Would you go to Bobby Maduro? Bobby, well, were, I went they, to, were they already I, gone by then? Yeah, I, th- I think the who's this? The Orioles. The, the Orioles, the Orioles were, yeah. were gone. They were gone. The Yankees were in Fort Lauderdale. The Expos and the Braves were in West Palm. My daddy used to take me to Dodger Town in Vero Beach every year. Nice, nice. I I met actually a year. My dad he would talk to everyone, and there was a year where we we met a, one of the top prospects in the Ranger system on a side field. He was taking grounders. A Dominican kid. We started talking to him and stuff like that, and, and the guy says, "Hey, man." Come over with me. We're going. We're going to the stadium because I see your kids with you. We go in the stadium. It was after one of the spring training games. Pudge Rodriguez and Igor Juan Gonzalez are taking BP. It's wow. only them two and the guy throwing BP to them. That's it. Empty stadium, and we had access to it with the guy. So we're sitting there, and I'm like, "Wow, this is cool. Like, this is really cool." Pudge ends up the you know probably half an hour later ends up the session. Walks over to the clubhouse where we were standing by, hands me his bat that he was using. Wow. Hands me his bat. So. One of the World Baseball Classics, I want to say 06 or 09, I went up to St. Lucie when Puerto Rico was playing, and I got his autograph on that bet. Man. That's was, big time. That was a cool memory, you know, growing up. But going to Dodger Town and stuff awesome. like that, and, you know, Brett Butler, watching him doing bunting drills. Brett Butler. Awesome. Manny Mota. He was, he was a great that, hitter. That's when I really fell in love with, you know, with baseball. And how's it coming along with, with, with Kyle, man? Kyle's good, man. Kyle's got good hand eyes, so... Is he you taking him to spring trainings yet, or are we going? No, to this, you know uh, what? I've ta- I've taken him to I've I've taken him. I might take him this year for the first time. I yeah, took man. him to one Marlins game. Right around the fifth inning, he's losing interest, chasing Billy the Marlins stuff like that. <laughs> but, but but I That's took part him, of it. Yeah, I took him in spring training. Actually, there was a game last year where it was um, it was a day where Degrom and Scherzer pitched. Nice. Wow. And I said, "Wow, this good is like, this is a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Spring training. You're not going to get there. this. Yeah." And um. Last minute, I go online, and I find tickets right on the front row. And I said, I got to go see this. You know, I bought him. He sat next to me. I bought him a bag of peanuts, and he was engaged all nine innings. There you go. Because you were hitting that mid-pop the whole game. You hit that mid-pop. So he was right there. But if you're like 10, 20 rolls up, at four years old, Kyle's four. Oh, yeah. At four years old, he's chasing peanuts and popcorn and, you know. There you go. (laughs) Sit him close. That's some good advice right there. What what was it about back then that, you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of kids back then were were way into baseball. I mean, I at four or five years old, I I sit with my old man and watch watch Yankee games, watch all these games. You know, I I, I tell my I tell my son, hey, you know, just watch one inning, one inning with me. And after the inning, he's like, Papa, can I go? You know, play with Sonic or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. You know, but man, I I, I used to be engaged, man. I was like. 
I was like you were describing, you know, with the baseball cards, memorizing all the players. My morning routine every day from like, you know, I guess like from second grade on mm-hmm. was grab the Miami Herald in the morning, the sports page, and just flip through it. And I used to go down all the averages. And I, I, I felt like there was a lot of like baseball sickos back then. I, I, I think also what's happened, like at least like, for example, like here we're at my mom's house, right? And I grew up here. I moved here when I was five. Left here when I was like 28. So um, when I was growing up in this neighborhood, it was baseball all the time. If I wasn't at baseball practice, we were playing wiffle ball right out there. We'd get a foldable chair. That was our strike zone. And all the kids from the neighborhood would come. Uh, we'd play. And then if now we go play stickball on the other side where we had the bases painted, I just felt like we played it a lot more. You know what I mean? Well, kids like, played outside a lot more. Yeah, yeah. you know, right? like, you got too many so, distractions, too much Nintendo. And, and, and my kids, like my kids, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are probably, hey, YouTube, I want to see this and that. And I wanna, <laughs> you know, YouTube, you know it's yeah. like, like yeah. So I try to get them outside those doors as much as possible. And, and they, I mean, they're pretty good about it. They're not bad because we don't, we don't let them get engaged with we, the indoor vices. But. And then we love the whole baseball card thing, which I feel, I feel. That's a lost art. I, I, but, but I feel it's picking up again. I see a lot more kids up. in the program. Um, showing me baseball cards or telling me they're getting baseball cards or at a birthday, they like the other day of their birthday, a kid a bought each kid a pack of baseball cards, some nice prisms, super nice. Um, but I do see baseball cards, they like, creeping back in, you know what I mean? But I hope it comes back strong. Yeah, I started building a collection for, for Anderson. It's big time. Yeah, you I, got I, to. I actually got bought to. a few a couple years back off of uh, eBay or eBay? eBay. eBay, Amazon, whatever it was. I, got a, <laughs> I picked up a Jita rookie that I thought was underpriced nice. and I checked it the other nice. day. It was like 10 grand right now. Nice. Wow, a yeah. Jeter rookie, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we might have to log in to get get back on these baseball Americas. That I haven't thought about baseball America in forever, man. That's, that's, no, and he, he mentioned Yankees you know? Magazine. My dad used to subscribe to Yankees Magazine, right. and I remember this is this is actually a cool story. Um, I remember Yankees Magazine around 80, 87, 88, You know, Mattingly was already stud of studs. Um, they made a plate, and it was Don Mattingly walking. Like they had like ar- around the plate, Mattingly and uh and Mickey Mantle, but it was you know art right, and in the middle of the plate was Mattingly and Mickey Mantle like with Mantle like with his armor on Mattingly and they're like walking, and man I always wanted that plate and Papi Papi get a plato este you know get a plato este you know plato plato, and you know and back then you used to have to like you know fill out the thing of send course. it in play, play shipping and handling and all that crap or whatever. Uh, man, two years ago, I went on eBay, and I'm like, man, I wonder if they have that plate. And I looked it up, and there was a bunch of people selling the plate, and I bought one. Nice. So I went at nice. home. I, I kept, it in it. The, kept it in the box. I'm like. I want to see it. Yeah, now that you got your own money, you can is. buy a lot of those things that you wanted before <laughs> that we couldn't get. <laughs> I bought that 89 Griffey upper deck. You I bought did. that too. You bought two of them, actually, didn't two, you? Two, there, you go. Two. there you go. But, but that, that Mattingly played, man. That's Yankees magazine, that used, they used to advertise it on big there time, all the man. time. It's big time. I love collecting things, man. I love collecting cards. and Baseball cards. You know, is a, oh, and Hot Wheels cars and little toys. And uh, man, and, and I, didn't, I didn't need high-end. Like, we had a Rite Aid around the corner from my house. Remember Rite Aid? The farmers. I, I, I used to I go in like there and get the cheap cards. Everywhere used to sell baseball. Yeah. I remember the um, the ice cream truck that would pass by in front of mm. my house in Little Havana. I'm like, oye, tiene la postalita. Si, si, tengo, tengo esto, whatever. And there was a there was an old man at um, at Pacual who would take pictures. And name was my, uh, Mike Lavilla or Lavilla, Lavilla, Lavilla. Mike Lavilla, and Mike Lavilla would would take the pictures. You know, the trophy day and all that. But ese sentado el viejito would sit in one of the chairs. 
and he would have an album of baseball cards, put it on the table, and he would put like one dollar fifty cents. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, wow. la vida, and you used to like go to them. Yep. And I remember one I time, remember like that, bro. Wow. the um, you taking me back now, man. <laughs> <laughs> the the Yankees one day, random Saturday or something, watching a game. They had a, a righty named Sam Militello. And he comes out, man, he throws eight no-hit innings against the, the Red Sox when they had Wade Boggs and, and all these monsters, Dwight Evans and all that. And I'm like, man, this guy's going to be good. The next Saturday, I go in, La Villa has his rookie card for like a dollar. And I'm like, get it, get it. You know, Bobby, Bobby, un dollar, mira. So I bought it, and bro, like I like scrub. <laughs> like he, he amounted to nothing. But cool thing is, like a month later, another rookie comes up, throws about five or six no-hit innings. And I'm like, man. This kid looks good. Five, six no-hit innings, and then I don't really see him start again. The guy's name, Mariano Rivera. No, he didn't have his car for sale, no? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man, but I, 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 I bought plenty of Mariano stuff. But, uh, but Carlos, getting getting back to you, man, you know, you, you played at International. You had all those memories with your with your grandpa and your dad going to spring training. Um, 2000, you know, you're, you're playing at South Miami. And, man, they go on an awesome run. They make the 6-8 tournament. And I, 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 was, I was looking this up. It's not like I remember. I wasn't there. But you guys played against Wellington, who was ranked third in the nation in the semis. You go on to beat Orlando Colonial in the final. So, man, talk about this. Talk about that tournament. Because I, I think going into that Wellington game, from what I saw, you guys were like 20, 22 and 10. Wellington's like, you know, 30 and 2 or something something ridiculous. Man, you guys went up there and just... Just started raking, pitching well, and, and won the whole thing. Yeah, that was a great group of guys, man. That was my senior year. So what happened, there, actually, the crazy thing about that year is that 20 games into the season, we're 10 and 10. We're a 500 wow. team. And we knew we had the talent. Like, in that dugout, we knew – we didn't care what anybody outside that dugout thought, but we knew we had that talent to do a lot. But, but obviously, you, about, you guys were stacked to the rack. Tell, tell us tell us about who, who was in that mix, though. Oh, we had – yeah, we had – well, we had – yeah, you Steven know, Suarez. Wait, Steven Suarez at third, who was on your show. Yes. I was at third baseman. The shortstop was Kenny Perez. Kenny Perez nice. was played with uh played in the minor league, six round pick. Six round pick like by Boston. Switch hitter. Area. Switch hitter. Switch yeah. hitting infielder. Switch, yeah. That was that was a horse. Second base we had Alex Perez. First base we had uh Rudy Delanoal. Coach right. Rudy over at St. Brendan. Over at St. Brendan. Rudy's, Rudy's a great <laughs> one of my teammates at uh International. Nice. Up. I've known that guy forever. Uh Mario Suarez in left. Center field, we had Edward Gonzalez, who was a the guy had moved in this year from Venezuela, oh, not this year, uh, that year from Venezuela, and he was, he was probably a twenty-four-year-old man in a, in a seventeen. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, was he really no, seventeen? No, no, or? no, Oh, I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it in that sense. I'm saying he hit like a twenty-four-year-old. That guy in BP would put on a show, and he's actually right now the assistant hitting coach on the big leagues in uh, on the Marlins nice. big big league roster. That's awesome. And then in in, in right field, we were a, we were actually a senior heavy team, so if we didn't do it that year, you know, it was going to be a while before. In right field, we had a sophomore who was the only underclassman, Mike Pelleting, who was a speedster, you know, very good player. So that year, like I said, 20 games into the year, we're 10 and 10. I remember we're in our spring break trip. Actually, where was it? Sarasota. Or Sarasota. Joel Bella. You know Joel Bella? Of course. I played with him at FIU a couple I f- years. I figured you know. <laughs> I think he ended up at FIU, what, 99? Um, I was with him there two years, actually. I want to say 99, 2000. Small second baseman. Mm-hmm. Well, 2000, yeah. he coached us in the spring of 2000. So he's probably 98, 99. Whatever. You know who he, you know Joel Bell. Of course, yes. Joel Bell was young at the time. And looking back right now, what he did, he actually pulled us into a hotel room. It was a players-only meeting, really. And he, and he 
you know, he was the only coach on there. He was an assistant coach, probably 23 years old at the time. And he, he reamed into us. You know, he knew we had the team to go far. You know, obviously, nobody knew we were going to win state. That takes, you know, everything has to fall in place. But he knew we were underachieving big time. So, every, you know, what he told us there in that room, I can't, you know, obviously can't repeat of here. Course, of course. But he got, in, he got into it hard. Ever since that speech, we didn't lose a game again. I was with we, him in, in 98 okay. at FIU. I okay. was a freshman. He was a senior. And he was played second base for us. And, and, man, he was a guy who always kept that energy up. So I can imagine that he got you guys going. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, he was a South Miami grad. So he came back that year and um, really lit a fire into us at the right time, at the perfect time, actually, because we weren't, we, we weren't, we weren't getting it done. So that was a spring break trip. We didn't lose a game after that. We ran the table the whole way. Um, we go into, I mean, back, back in the day, that was 2000, Miami-Dade County had their own region. So in 6A, 6A was a, that was the largest class, you know, right. the biggest classification. Right. They had, you had every year you had one and only one team from Dade County go to state. So it was a dogfight here in Miami, right? You know, there was a lot of talent back yeah. then. Between like yeah. 95 and 2000, yeah. South Florida and baseball you, that was year stacked, you had, uh, you had first round pick in your, in your, you had to play against Montañez, right? You had to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened that year in the, in the run, we ended up getting a buy in district. We beat South Ridge. And we face our rival. That was our heavy rival that year, Killian, in the district in the district uh, championship game. So in the regionals, we had Coral Park uh, at our place. We played Beach in the regional semi, which Miami Beach last that back then back was the no day. joke. Yeah, it was no joke. They had like a Flagami All Star team, like all time Flagami. <laughs> was that when Lou Sanchez was coaching over yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were Howie Socorro, and yeah, 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 they, yeah, they, they, were they were stacked. Back. And then in the regional final, we face off again with Killian, our rival, and we had some history there. Killian didn't like us. We didn't like them. There was a something happened in a fall game where it was a play at, at the plate, and they didn't like us. We ended up beating them. That we handled that game pretty convincingly. You know, I, I I threw that whole game, complete game, so we advanced to the final four. Nobody expected that in Miami. You know, people that really know baseball know we had probably the team to do it, but nobody expected that. So we get up there, and our semi game is against Wellington. Wellington's ranked three in the country. And the number one and two team, I think number one was either Rancho Bernardo or like Bel Air out of Houston, had lost. So they were out. Wow. Bishop Kenny from Jacksonville was number two. And they had lost like the day before in the 4 so, so they were up for number one. They had the they had the direct track to the national title. They were 30 and one. I mean, all the stories we heard about them like leading up to it, it's like anybody else would have said, we're done. Yeah. You know, the one game they had lost, it was like an extra inning game. On a, you know, crappy air or whatever. They shouldn't have lost it. The three games in the regional, they had run-rolled their opponent. They had destroyed Jeez. them. All three regional games. <laughs> so we get up there. The guy we're facing, the guy on the mound, is a first-round pick. He went eighth overall that year. First-round eighth overall. Uh, Sean Burnett. Wow. To Pittsburgh. That's the guy I, I faced up against. We just had clutch hitting, man. We showed up When we showed up there and we saw their, them take pregame, they were throwing air-mailing balls all over the place. They had all the pressure. We didn't. We, we had nothing. Obviously, we had something to lose. But to the outsider, we were there, and we were playing loose. We were playing loose. The loud Cubans showed up. They were, they were tight, and it showed, you know, and, and um, we beat them. Timely hitting. What was beat the score them. of that game? Do you remember? Wow. Bringing me back 22 years. Uh, I think 6-4. Nice. 6-4. It's a good game. So the next day, we're playing Orlando Colonial in the final. 
Boy in Vegas are pitching. That threw a hell of a game. We ended up beating him 4-2. Kenny Perez, I think, in the bottom of the seventh or something like that. It's a double in the gap. It was tied 2-2. Crazy. We're up 2-0. They score a run. He balks in the tying run. Wow. He balks it in. He's, he, he's from the windup with a guy at third. This was the last inning, seventh inning. From the windup, he steps off with the wrong foot. Box it in. 2-2, two, two, our head coach gets ejected. Oh, man. <laughs> We're like, man, we got our backs again. So, I mean, they had all the momentum at that time. And we just got it done. A couple guys got on. Kenny Perez hit that, that clutch. Kenny Perez. Kenny was, Kenny was clutch, you know. Kenny was a great Kenny, player. Kenny he and Rudy. Was a hell of a player. Yeah, man. Rudy was a hell of a player, too, you um, know. He had a year that year. Yeah. But uh, we got it done. Bottom of the, or, or you know, next inning, one, two, three. Craziness. You know, especially going out like that your senior year. Listen, we talk all the time about, like, you know, SP was a first-round pick. This is where he was. And, you know, those are special, special things. But, dude, winning a state championship, and especially back in the day. That's amazing. You know, it, it's a little different. But, man, it's, dude, like, it's it's, it's awesome experience for you, man. You know? Great, and, great experience. I mean, you have, I try to, I try to, when I, whenever I talk to a young kid, I try to explain Enjoy the high school years, man, because when you get to college, if, if you have that chance to play at the next level, college or the pros, it's a job. It's a full-time job. But in high school, you're with your boys. A lot of times you grew up with those guys. You enjoy it. And, you know, for me at least, the high school experience, winning it that last year, it was a cherry on top, you know. But it, there's no better way to go off. No, absolutely. And, I, you know, and I was talking about, you know, going through the, um, going through the Miami Herald in the mornings, and that same year, you were second team all day. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I remember when I played and then those years, you know, in 2000, my, my brother started playing at LaSalle and I was an assistant coach with uh, with Coach Oscar Benitez. And, you know, we used to go and look through, oh, you know, who made it? Who made it from? And you were you were second team all day. You know, Omar Omar and, and David, you know, Omar for 6A, 5A, SP for 4A through through 1A, you know, how does it feel, look, you know, looking back all these years later, obviously you're reminiscing now about some of your teammates like like Rudy and Kenny. Right. But, you know, lo looking through that list that, that you were that you were a part of, you know, some of these guys like like SP, Falcone, uh, the Figueroa brothers, you know, they, they, they went on to some pretty big things. Yeah, there was a lot of talent back then. I mean, like I said, between like 90, I, I would say 95, 96 and 2000, baseball in Miami was was tough. In high school, it was a grind. I mean, you had just in our run, just our team alone. We played, we played Gulliver that year. They beat us, by the way. You know, I'll give credit where it's due. <laughs> SP's team beat us. He was a first round <laughs> pick. He was a first round pick uh, in the regionals. You know, Louis Montanez was a third, third overall. Yeah, third you, overall, yeah. Third overall. I was um, at that game. I was at that game. I saw him throw that game. <laughs> we go game. up to you know Southridge. We we beat Southridge in district. They had Omar. They had Raul Tablado, fourth rounder. That's short. Raul Tablado, yeah. I remember yeah, that player, guy. Good player, yeah. We go good. up to uh, Wellington. They had a first-round pick. You know, the, the year before, 99, they also had they had, had a first-round pick, too, a pitcher, Bobby Bradley. And they were a powerhouse at the time. But down here, I mean, it was it was tough. There was guys in Broward, I think, went second, third round. It, it was There was a lot of talent. Which but, was yeah. the best team that you faced mm. that, from from that time? Because we're talking about all this, all this talent. I, I'm thinking about the best team we faced. Which I'll say in in a second, but from from high school, which is the best team you faced? It's tough to say, man. I, I would say back then Gulliver had a real stacked, a really stacked team. Um, 
they weren't in our district. They were smaller schools, so we didn't. We you know we would just we played them once. Uh, I think that year it was a non district, obviously non district game. I didn't throw that game. It didn't really mean a lot for us. But um, Wellington, they were supposed to be the best team. They had, you know, they were stacked. They didn't they didn't play their best game that day, and and we took it to them. But I would say probably Wellington was up there. I mean, third in the country, and they had the you know the guy Sean Burnett had a good career in the big leagues. Yeah, he sure did. Pittsburgh and Washington, you know, Nationals. The guy had a filthy changeup, man. Filthy. He's a lefty. So I would say they 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 were well coached. They just they made a couple of mistakes. You know, a catcher threw a ball away on a steal to third. We scored there. Little things. Yeah, you got to take advantage of, <laughs> of yeah, those moments, whatever. right? Of course. Mike, what's the best team that you ever played? Listen, in I, I, I don't remember names or anything like that, but one thing I always do remember is is going back to even when my brother played high school. My brother graduated from Southwest in 91. And when he was there, um, he played on a very good team at Southwest that had this guy named Dennis Pujols. I don't know if you remember that name. Yeah, I do. He played some pro ball. That guy was a real deal. But what I remember... To get to my story was that I want to get sidetracked was that they used to go to a, a, a tournament every spring break in Sarasota, right? Okay. Uh, you've been to that tournament. And then when I was in Braddock, we went, I think it was spring breaks, also to Sarasota. And I always remember those Sarasota teams being stacked, bro. Sarasota I High School was always. Yes, had, I don't know about I now. Always, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know names, but I remember is looking at the team picture and saying, go you why is there only like 13 guys? My dad's like, that's because they all play every position. They're all really good. They don't need more than that. And, you know, all these other high school teams traveling with 20, 25 guys. And I remember that saying, like, my dad said, no, son todese, pero son todese caballo. Like, like, and I, that, I remember always those teams. I don't remember names, but I remember them always being stacked to the rack, man. Sarasota was good back you know? then. They were good. They had a yeah. good program. I don't know about right now. I haven't really, but, um, yeah, well, if you're talking about the '90s, Westminster Christian, really, they, I think that, what, two, two national titles. That, that's the best team I, I ever played. My yeah, freshman yeah. year at LaSalle, we played them. '95, they had Pee Wee Lopez, Jason Moore, Jimmy Gutierrez, A, um, A Rod. No, no, that was I was that was after A Rod, but the the whole team the whole team was stacked. Was man. that the '96? Well, they won in '92 and '96. Yeah, they were they were good, man. Like I remember getting there, and that was and a pro team. They were we were we were decent. I mean, we went to regionals. We lost uh, in three eight to um, it was like Pope John Paul. Yeah, they're they're in Boca. Fort, they're in Boca, Pierce or something. Boca maybe. Pope Fort, John's Fort. in Boca. Yeah. And then we um, we lost to them, but dude, we got to Westminster and and we you know we got off the bus and all that. I mean, I'm 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 a pretty short guy now. Back then, I was you know probably a little bit shorter and a lot skinnier. Um, and you know, so I weighed like a buck 20 something five, three, but you know, I could hit, you know, it was pretty good. We get to, we get off the bus and this Westminster team, they looked at our team and they just started laughing. And I was like, Crap. well, a guy that Crap. was brought, a guy, like, what you guys this? brought up the other day in, in one of the episodes, Jose Nicholas, that guy, yeah, was he, he was, nasty. was a specimen. Yeah, that was a beast. You'd see that guy and he was, he, he, was he belonged in triple A, like knocking on the door to the big leagues, you know? Yep. Well, oh, yeah, and, was, you know, yeah. and before that, you know, they had A-Rod, they had Doug Mankiewicz, yeah, yeah. um, didn't the Caridad brothers play there too? I mean, they were, they were really good too. You know, they they were just stacked year after year with, with Rich Hoffman. They were big league bodies and high school yeah. kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Pee-wee got to second base. And, and you know, and I, I mentioned it on the, on, the, on the last show, and I mentioned it to to you, Carlos, you know, that um, my, my cousin's best friend is Al Lopez, and Al and my cousin played at South Miami. And, you know, my cousin had told me, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to tell Pee-wee, you guys are going to play against him and all that. 
So Pee Wee gets a second and he's like, hey man, your your cousin says you're talking trash. And what are you guys doing away? I'm like, bro, come on, man. Like, dude, he I was standing next to him and I was, I was standing next to a man. I was I was a ninth grade boy, you know, 14 years old. And this guy was was a hombre, like Yeah, that, that program like, in the 90s lights out. They were, they dude, were better. It was 15-0. 15-0 when he told you that. <laughs> Probably, yeah. We lost he, 17 to 1. Then he heard he was talking. Oh, I was going to say they, they, they beat you we 30 nothing after they heard one. you were talking crap. Oh, <laughs> so, Carlos, um, you know, after high school, you you played some college ball. You know, I hear you, you had some some injuries, but you know, that that's all part of that's all part of the, the experience. You know, some some people, you know, some people go to college and play, and unfortunately, you have to go through injuries. My brother was a pretty good high school player. Went through an injury in in high school, you know, where he got sacked by he was playing quarterback, got sacked, destroyed his his whole shoulder, yeah. and he played pretty much the whole baseball season in pain. And I would tell him, Albert, you know, what are you doing? Go get it checked out. No, no, I want to put Ben Gay. I'm gonna put Ben Gay, and he <laughs> he put Ben Gay and go back out there, and he would throw it. He's ah, it's almost like like tears coming out of his eyes. How much it hurts, dude. He had like his bone estaba like a cachao like. Every ligament was torn in his shoulder. When he came back, his you know he he got some some strength back, but his you know his arm was never the same. Didn't get to play college ball, but you know you you got there. And how did those injuries? You know, yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, before we move on, I want to actually say my story. What happened with the injuries, and and hopefully it helps someone down the line. Absolutely, listening. One of the younger guys. Um, I I started feeling like a pain in my in the front of my shoulder, right? And it was I was in complete denial. I thought it was just a bad day or I wasn't feeling great, whatever. When was and this? This was in college. Right when oh, I got, right, yeah. right when you got to college. So I started throwing, trying to go through that. I, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone. I just throwing, throwing, throwing. I got to a point where I was popping eight Advil before, before <laughs> wow. getting on the field just to, just to feel numb. And back then, so, you know, medicine, technology, sports-related surgeries have come a long way in 20 years. They've come a long way. Like right now, you can get a – you know, get Tommy John, and there's probably a 90% chance that you're coming back just as good or yeah. maybe stronger with new ligaments. And, and like less than a year. Right, right. Well, this was, it wasn't elbow pain, it was shoulder right. pain, and it was in the front. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to get through this season and then figure out what's going on with it. So I kept that whole year between pitching outings, you know, you have a routine. You got to, you go side to, you toss, you do flat ground. I didn't want any part of that between like game outings i wanted no part of that i would run i would do my long distance running but i would just make excuses like to, you know, i wanted no part of that when, every time i had to get into a game pop it out like come on man. when did you think you start when do you think you heard it or when do you think it was gradually I, so I, I don't know i mean i think what happened was after my senior year i played in a team it was a travel team um based in ohio in central ohio in columbus called the ohio thunder you know back then they had ohio warhawks and youngstown Astral falcons and that they played double ABC, you know, Connie Mack, big tournaments, right? And between all the innings I put in my senior year and then my, you know, that summer, which was a lot of added, you know, throwing, I think somewhere along that point, something started to unravel. Well, anyways, I come to find out, you know, when the year ends, I find out I have a torn labrum. So I come, you know, have the surgery. It gets scoped, arthroscopic. Nine, ten months later, my second bullpen. I'm finally so excited. Tear it again. Well, wow. I, I didn't know at the time I tore it again. I had that pain, the same pain again. And at that point, I was just, you know, I'm not throwing 93, 94 coming back from this. You know, I'm, I'm done. It took me about a year to realize, damn, 
I'm not I'm not a baseball player anymore. I'm done. You know? Yeah. D- denial. <laughs> yeah, and, and it does there's a there's a time when the injury doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Um, because at some point, like the opportunity, like for example, like your senior year, like I kind of felt when I would see you throw, you know, I saw you throw that game and it always stuck out to me where it was like the, the mentality and the attitude that you have, I don't think it mattered if you had to throw two days after your senior year. I don't think it mattered. I think that if you had to come out again on the back-to-back day in the state championship, I think you would have. I don't think it would have mattered if you were sore. I don't think it would have mattered. I think you were a bulldog. I think you would have gone out there. Like you said earlier, like, you guys are a group of seniors. Like, you're only going to get one chance at this. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was now or nothing. And, yeah, it was it was now or nothing. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'll make it, you know, but when I got to A-ball, okay, when I went to my first spring training, I got held back and extended for about a week. Then I got sent to A-ball. And I was playing right field behind this guy named Mark Folsom. Mark Folsom was a second-round pick. They gave him a ton of money. And I get there, and I'm backing this guy up, right, in A-ball in Columbus, Georgia, Columbus Red Sticks. And um, about a week before the All-Star break, Tori Lavolo, manager for the Diamondbacks, calls me in and says, hey, Mike, listen, I want you to know that after the All-Star break, you're the right fielder. Like, you're going to get the whole second half. The whole second half is yours. Like, they're going to move this guy. And I'm like, well, you know, perfect, awesome. So that process with him, instead of going up to the, up to the All-Star break, okay, it got sped up by, like, a day. So the day before the All-Star break, like, I'm in the lineup. Like, that's it. Here we go. Like, he's like, hey, that's it. You're up. Like, bro. So I get on. Boom. I got a base hit on my second at bat. I, I'm, on, I'm on first. I take a lead. Boom. Shuffle, shuffle. Ball gets hit in between the shortstop and third baseman. I think it's going to get to left field. So I start to make, like, a little round. And when I look up, bro, shortstop made a nice play. He's throwing it over. I slide into second base late. Bro, and my ankle is, like, destroyed. Like, I walk back in, my ankle's swollen, take me out of the game, a two-plus sprain, blah, blah, blah. Have the all-star break. I'm, like, I stay in town. I rest it. And I'm in a position now where, dude, I just finally got my opportunity where I'm going to be an everyday player here, and I just destroyed my ankle. You know what I mean? What a bad So, So what did I do? The same thing that you did. I, as, yeah, once I saw the athletic trainer, like, after four weeks being like, hey, man, you know, like, if you don't start playing, like, you're going to get sent down back to. So then when that starts coming in, same thing you did. Taking the Advils. There she goes. There she goes. There she goes. We got the Kugel. What time is it? It's going to go off eight times. Love it. Been hearing that thing for 30 years. Love it. But what did I do? I had no choice. Try to conceal it. No, man, I had no choice. Like, and that's what I feel like with the with athletes and and you know, again, and I'm not condoning to anybody to play with pain or I'm not uh, I'm not saying that, but there is a point where if the cards that were dealt to you where you have to play with pain, then you gotta kinda play with pain. Like I had no choice. Like if I would have said, Oh, I'm not gonna play and I would have taken the soft route, I probably would have gotten released. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Well, you cool know, and everybody in the minor leagues is talented. And yeah. and I think it was the episode you guys had last week with Omar. And he said, the guy next to you is is just as good as you. It might be a small, tiny fraction. And and, it, and sometimes it's nothing about, it has nothing to do with talent. It's about opportunity. People get hurt. I got a buddy that was a third-round pick out of high school, and, and this guy was good, but he was just injury-prone. 
injury prone. Every every single year he had a different, whether his ankle or whether he strained an oblique or his shoulder was, you know, tricep, like he couldn't control it. And he had a cup of coffee in the big leagues, but this guy could have been something. Man. And it's just where you're at, if you have somebody in front of you, it's going to be tough too. You know, if you have, uh, if, if you're getting hurt, it, there's a lot of things that got to go your way to get there. And, and getting back to the, getting back to the, the crop of talent that we had when I was in high school down here, there's a lot of guys that I thought would have been there. that didn't make it for one reason or another, you know? Yeah. It takes it takes so much. It's not just the talent, but but yeah, like you know, preventing injuries, which is out of your hands. You know, it could be turning the base. It could be you know throwing a throwing a couple of games. You just don't know. I mean, I I remember I remember you know Geeky Bengochea when we, when I was in eighth grade and he was in seventh. Like like he, he had hurt his arm pretty bad. And then, you know, he went on to have a, an excellent career, you know, and, and played all the way to AAA. But there's some people that, you know, they get injured once and, and that's it, you know? Yeah, talent's just one of the many, many factors that, that, I mean, there's guys, talent gets you in the door, right? You get that opportunity. But so many things, like I said, so many things got to go your way. They got to go your way. And there's guys that made it to the big leagues from that time that I didn't think were as talented as guys that didn't make it. Whether they got injured or whether they just were in a bad position where they had, you know, five two guy in front of them that was a big prospect and they just they were stuck. They couldn't move. I was reading um a quote today from Mike Piazza. Mike Mike Piazza ends up getting drafted by the by the Dodgers because Tommy Lasorda was his brother's godfather. It was like sixty third round, I think. Some something crazy. like uh, out of Miami Day. Yeah, what would you draft him? And Mike Piazza might be the greatest hitting catcher yeah, of all time. Often, yeah, of all time. It's insane. But you know, Carlos, we we were you know we we talked about this great great era of, of baseball. You know, with all these guys, and you know, we could we could sit here all night and go through names. And, oh, you know, you know, remember this guy? You know, I I used to work with a with a guy who's and he's older now. He's in his sixties. Who I was like, Papa, te acuerdas de you know. And th- th- that's how the stories go. We could do Papa Tacuerda Day all, all night. But, you know, a lot has changed since then in baseball, the way Little League, high school, everything gets approached. You know, we're, we're Mike and I, you know, we're, we've gone, you know, some shows that we've talked about, you know, with, with other people about the whole launch angle and this and that and, and the videos. And, you know, Omar had some good opinions on, on those videos. What has changed with baseball in, in the youth level in, in the last 30 years that you've seen that stands out the most? A lot. A lot has changed a lot in youth baseball. So, for example, growing up, for me, I, I don't know exactly how Tammy, I know Tammy, I mean, had a draft, they had a season. Yep, we used to do that. But you guys used to practice. I mean, you guys year-round would practice and get better and try to develop for that season. And you played that season, and then later on, if you were on the all-star team, you played Pony, right? Right. Against the outside parks and try to advance it, you know, on through to the Pony World Series. At, For example, International. I grew up playing there from, I don't know, 7 to 13. We practiced year-round for a three-month season at the Boys and Girls Club. And then we played, you know, we got into the tourneys, you know, double ABC, I think we were playing back in the day. And that was only, you know, a month or so. I mean, if, if we advanced, maybe a month and a half. But the rest of the year... From like May to the next January, it was practice, 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 practice. Nowadays, with travel ball getting so big, it's complete, complete opposite, really. I mean, you have a lot of these, especially as you're getting older into middle and high school, a lot of these teams are just recruiting. So they don't practice. These kids are on their own. 
So when you show up to that team, you're, you're on that team because you're talented. So, you know, I understand there's a lot of money in these tournaments with perfect game and, and these travel ball teams. But I think what's being lost is the development of the kids. I mean, kid, you can start at the top down, right? How many big leaguers can lay down a bun on demand? There's not that many anymore. There's really not that many. You know, I, I feel like also um, there's a bigger push now for kids to play multiple sports. Okay, as a parent, you hear a lot of conversations about it. A lot of parents come and talk to me about it. Oh, because I want my kid to play multiple sports. Dude, I get it. I, I'm, I'm on board. I threw football when I was a kid. I played hoops in the backyard. I swam. I rode a bike. I rode a skateboard. I did it all. Okay. But my advice is the following. You can play a second sport, but it has to be while you're playing baseball. Baseball is not a sport that you can take time off on. You just can't. It's, and, and yes, you can take, if you're, you can take time off from throwing and you want to rest your arm for a month, okay, no problem. You still got to hit. You still got to condition. You still got to do your laterals. You got to do a ton of things. And I think that, you know, you can, you can play basketball while you're a little league baseball player year round. You, you can play flag football. Like you can play right. the tennis. Like you can do these things, but you shouldn't stop the training of the baseball to go do a different training to then think that you're going to be able to come back and keep up with the kids that have been doing it. You're just not, you know what I'm saying? I, and I, I think agree. that, I think that affected a little bit because back then it was, listen, I remember one time telling my mom <laughs> soccer. No, she's like soccer. She's like, no, you can do soccer and like I if you want, but you're gonna play baseball. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right. you want to you want to play basketball? We'll get a yeah, hoop for yeah, your driveway. And, and that's <laughs> how it was. Your, and, your that's, and that's how it was. Well, you, you, you know, know back, we live in a warm climate area, right? So, so year round in Florida, you're playing baseball, baseball, baseball. I mean, nowadays it's changed a little bit because up north they have indoor facilities that they didn't have back then, and and people can if they really want to work out and get better on their game, they can do that year round. But I didn't, I didn't like growing up. I didn't know. I could probably count on my hands, on my, on my hand, on one hand, the number of guys or buddies that I had growing up playing baseball that played another sport. Yeah, that's football. What I'm maybe a couple guys played football. No, but, you know? but but we did. You know when we did it after our Saturday game in Tamiami, we would go throw the football around. We go to the hoops there. Right, right. You know we do the hoop in front of the house with the older brother or vecino de adelante or Guido that lived there in the corner. It's one of our dads down the program, um, or my backyard. I, I did a million sports, but I didn't have to do them where it was. My parents are going to sign me up in the league. I'm going to get a uniform and have a coach. I'm going to go play in a season. And I'm going to do this while I'm not playing baseball. Right. No, I was a full-time baseball player. But when I got home, I was a basketball player. If you had a baseball, I was if a you had a baseball game, you had a baseball game and a basketball game, there was no question where you were going. No, you were one of the baseball games. No, there's no doubt about there's it. There's no question. And, you know? and, and I agree. Look, I'm not going to say you should play other sports or you shouldn't because I think you should, <laughs> but you got to play baseball year round. Yeah, you can't stop the baseball. No, no. If you stop that timing of hitting, I mean, hitting a ball is hard enough as it is. So if you go three, four months without it and you start to come, you know, it's like getting it going again. It's going to, you know, you know, one, no. one, of, one of those things that like, you know, my, my son's five, you know, he's starting, starting off, he's playing in the, in the T-ball instructional league. And, and, you know, sometimes I, and it's funny, and I'll, I'll say a second story about this, but, you know, sometimes he's like, Papa, Papa, how long is practice today? You know, it's an hour. Oh, man, it's an hour? Wow, that's a long time. And I would always tell him, 
Probably when I was your age. <laughs> it was like an all day thing. All day thing. Two and a half hours, man. More. It was yeah. like yeah. like four. Hours. Like yeah. I remember getting there yeah. nine in the morning to one, and then yeah. there was the one through five session. Oh my god! But then, singing Bago, I remember taking him. You know, we I've taken him to the park with his cousin AJ. They play in the same team. You know, we'll start hitting the grounders and they're running around, having you know, having fun. Two and a half hours passed. You don't even notice. Oh, Papa, that was short. Short. <laughs> that was yeah. two and a half hours. That's awesome. well, but, but yeah, like, you know, what 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 is now, you know, maybe shorter time. Back then, Pacual, Tamiami, International. It was like, yeah, extended sat- hours. Saturday man. marathons. And you were there, you knew you were there half your day. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like you couldn't schedule anything three hours after practice because you would still either be leaving the park or, or yeah. there's no way. Um, and, then but, you, but, and then you used to stay in, like like Mike said, you play with your friends after. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, so man. Well, the games at Boys Club, were, I, I always prayed for the early games because I would. The basketball? I, no, no, at Boys and Girls Club, when our season started, I would I would like the early. We had a 6 o'clock and, a, and an 8 o'clock game. I always wanted the early game. So after the game, I could, you know, stay around, mess around, get a slice of pizza. The pizza watch the, the other team. Te- yeah. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, man, a four- and five-year-old, an hour seems like five hours to them. Yeah, it does, man. <laughs> they don't. No, for sure, man, and it, you know it's, it, you know, and and I I feel it's it sounds funny because you know I'm 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 42, Mike 43 or 40, and you know it, I don't want to sound like oh you know in my time you know I don't want to sound like that guy but, but man I I feel you know to, to to you know Mike's point and your point and and you know some some other you know like Omar and David that we've had on. I, I feel, you know, you said something very, very important. You said a lot of guys don't know how to lay down a bunt. And even me watching Major League Baseball, and these are like los caballos de los caballos de los caballos. And I see some guys that because of the change in baseball, they like a little bit of fundamental. And, and I'm not and I'm not saying that they can't, you know, they're contributing to their team. They're major leaguers. They've done well. But there's there's a, a piece of the baseball art that we grew up with that I feel is missing a lot in today's baseball. Yeah. So basically, getting back to your question, which was what's changed with youth baseball, we I grew up playing in academies, international Pascual were academies. They did what? Instruct. They taught you the game. Bunting bunting is just one one aspect of the game. I mean, I could go on and on like how to execute a run down the right way when you're on defense. Mm-hmm. We see some videos on ESPN and major league teams have no clue how to do rundowns anymore. Crazy. Guys, when they're getting a little bit older, how to hit behind the runner. Like teaching how to hit behind the runner. You know, you know, you got to be 10, 12, you know, get a little older to to teach that and for them to actually get it. You know, taking game in game awareness, things like that, where where there's, you know, we all know there's five tools in baseball, but I say there's six and maybe even seven. I think the sixth tool is in game awareness. Are you hitting and are you hustling down the line and putting pressure on the defense? Are you taking the extra base when the ball's, the ball's in the dirt? Because you can be six four guy, and you're in la la land when the pitcher throws a, a, a you know ball in the dirt and you're there. I'd rather take the guy that's running seven two that's in the game and no meant you know he knows how to play the game. Taking first to third, no, you know little things like that, little things like that. But but yeah, bunting. I think bunting's one of them where... And bunting and stolen bases also. Stolen bases is something that, you know, it's kind of like... I remember, I remember like, they used to, like, really, really, really practice it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Getting now... Getting a jump and, 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 yeah. and, you know, I remember even when I, you know, when I was in, when I got to the minors, like, 
with Cleveland, that was guy kind of everybody was big and strong, and you know, and everybody was hitting all the jacks. And dude, I don't I barely remember Bunning, barely, 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 barely remember Bunning. Back in the nineties in Dodger Town, I said my dad used to take me to spring training. I remember one day getting there on side field. Uh, Brett Butler was a great bunner. He was doing a bunning drill, just bunning, bunt to third, bunt to first, bunt to third, bunt a little a little further down the line, but you know, perfect. The guy was. Trying to get down a perfect bunt. I don't think anyone does that in the bigs right now. I don't think. And I think, honestly, if I had to say, I, I think there's maybe five guys in the big leagues that should have no business bunting. Like, if Aaron Judge comes up, I don't care if, if no, you need no, to move no, again. Yeah, of course not. You, you, you got no. but But there's not that many guys, five or ten guys that shouldn't. Everyone else should lay a, lay a bunt down. No, not just that. But, I mean, I know the shift's over, but you had teams giving guys the whole left side of the infield. <laughs> And Easy. they don't bun it because they just don't know how to. But those are hits. Yeah. Those are whoever, yeah. everybody that would square up and drop it. Yeah. So they, they it's definitely got to come back. You know, I mean, I, I I hope that with, you know, like like I've, I'm seeing videos, like the Mattingly video. I saw another video today. Christian Yelich was talking about Barry Bonds, you know, teaching him off, off the tee to hit down and not, not up, not launch angle, but... Right. But down, and he said that then, you know, halfway, th- like, he's hitting him, like, five feet from, from home plate, and he's like, what the heck is happening, you know? And then Bonds, at some point, he's like, raise the tee a bit, and he's like, all right, now do that again, and he's sending liners into the outfield. But, you know, I, like, I I would like to see the return of that type of hitting, you know, the, you know, the that hitting that's that's more in, in, in the head, like, all right, you, you know, what am I going to do? If I hit it this way, I hit it opposite field, hit and run, we're, we're going to get this guy in. You know, I we grew up in a, man, I, we grew up in such a great era of baseball yeah. with Tony Gwynn and Wade Boggs and Don Mattingly and George Brett and Brett Butler. You know, they, they were they were hitters. And then, you know, albeit they stole in base, I mean, every every year, Ricky, Ricky and Ricky, Vince Coleman. Man, Ricky, um, And another guy, Willie, Willie McGee, you know, they used to steal a, Ton of bases, man, and I think the, I think I read a stat. You don't see that I read a stat the other day that said if a guy in the bigs nowadays steals, I think it was fifty or sixty bags a year for twenty two years straight, they won't catch up to Ricky Henderson. <laughs> that's crazy. That's wow. insane. Not that's crazy. Insane. That's crazy. Insane. Dude, the guy stole one hundred and thirty bases in one season. So who who the top stole him? Uh, you know, you have Trey Turner, you have uh, Starling. Know, Starling, what, Starling what's Marte. he getting? But how many is he getting? They're not getting anywhere 40, near hundred. Like that's not what I'm saying. Like, like Birdie like, from the Marlins was like there. Well, listen, I, I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna be interesting 20? to me to see what happens now because I think the base is gonna be an an inch bigger, bigger, but not bigger on each side total. So total. each side will be a half inch. And I'm curious to see how if that's going to affect the stolen base numbers because it should, it, it should, it, it should. It should. And, 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 and the averages with the shift they're, also. They're yeah. trying to implement it where they're limiting the pickoff plays at first. Yeah. So I, I think that's what do you think be, of that? I think that's going to be tough because yeah. then then you're kind of. So I think I think the way, and I don't remember. Don't, put, don't, runner, don't quote me on this. I think after the third pickoff, the first, if you don't get them out. It's like wasting a challenge in football. He takes second. They give him the base or something like that. Wow. It's what. So yeah. so a guy knows that after two pickoff moves, he's yeah, going. He's it. going. Yeah, it. You're yeah, going. Not, not everybody's like, Andy Pettit. Yeah. Like a yeah. three at first. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a stretch for me. You know what I mean? But listen, I'm okay with, you know, you want to try the bag a half inch bigger or you want to try, you know, I saw in AAA they 
they tried something with the strike zone where the hitter Jason Domingo was able to appeal strike three, Maybe. and he got the call right, and he got it overturned. I'm yeah. not, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm okay with that because I'm all about getting the calls right. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the shifted. I mean, the, the shift. but the limiting, like even like the pitcher's clock, and and you know that to me is nonsense. It doesn't matter. You know, to me, it doesn't make a difference. I need a mover. When I saw that Jason Dominguez video, I felt like, you know, like in tennis now when they call for the challenge and they show he the taps, ball. He, like yeah. taps his helmet. Yeah. Taps his helmet. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I read this week, I think that, I don't know if it's in AAA, but they're they're going like straight up, you know. Straight robot. up, that, 100%. That, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's it. It's going to yeah. be interesting. Oh, it's going to be interesting what's because. Uh, what's uh, the, the umpire that everybody likes to rag on? Angel Hernandez. Uh, yeah. Angel Hernandez. It, it's going to be interesting because the, the way the technology is set up now, I, I think it's going to be a close to a perfect system because when they did the the last playoffs, they only had one game where the one umpire behind home of the six games was 100%. That means he was perfect. You know what though, and I like the factor. I like I like the human factor like about it, it I like because, it. I do too. I like and it. I like it because you know a, a ball on the corner that nips the outside corner as a strike, but most of the balls a ball, and you called that a strike. I'm with you, man. Like that's your zone. Let's rock and roll. But I have a hard time with the balls that are really off the plate. Like the balls that are like three, four inches off the plate, that it's clearly just like a bad call. Like Eric Gregg, like in yeah, like like that's like like or Levon Hernandez strikeout number yeah. sixteen. That's so, what you know. That whole that, game. that that to me is a bit much. You're giving corners today to Greg, and Greg Maddox is dealing, baby, and you're giving him half the ball. I get it, but just like there's some calls that sometimes that that really alter at bats. They alter game situations. And, you know, I hate to say it, but they can alter, like, playoff outcomes. So, balls close, I get it. But, like, man, any ball, anytime I see a ball three, four inches that's called a strike off, I'm like, eee, gives me a bad feel, you know? I think there was a stat this year that I, Aaron Judge got the the most blown calls on, on strikes. You know, just balls Like in his were, favor? No, no against, against them. Against, were against low, low pitches that were called strikes. You'd think that guy had some respect, right? Some... Some poor other play. <laughs> Anything low, they're, they're savages kind of, listen, in the box. You can savages. Appeal, I mean, <laughs> the, the system that they have now for appealing the base safe and outs is kind of a perfect system because yeah. the, uh, the, the, uh, the pitcher doesn't get on the mound yet. The guy upstairs checks. He tells him yes. So they technically can check every play. You know what I'm saying? But the, the, the umpires go unchecked. I wish so, they would have had that for I mean? Armando Galarraga that, that one oh time. Oh, my God. They, they shouldn't. Yeah, they, they need to fix that. Armando, <laughs> yeah, well. That was terrible. That, that, that was, that, that was a perfect game. Like, perfect game, right? Oh, perfect game, man. Yeah. That was terrible. And uh, I remember the umpire the next day, you know, admitting he made Joyce, a mistake. Jim Joyce. Jim Joyce. And Jim he, Joyce. he cried. The guy cried. Like, yeah, he felt so yeah. bad. Yeah, they have, they'll have so, they be bonded forever, those two. They'll be yeah. linked together. for. And actually, I think later on, they came up to him and they said, hey, man, we can actually, in the official scorebook, overturn this. It said, no, 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 no. Leave it the way it is. It, I'll it, tell you what. Uh, Jim Joyce, um, when he would do the Marlin games, he would stay here in the Gables. And uh, a buddy of mine that played at UM, Chris Clute. Yeah. He's a police yeah. officer with Cole Gables. With the kid. killing, right? Yeah. yeah. Someone was in our academy for uh, several years. Great player. Um, he saw me. He came to me practice one time. And he's like, hey, man, you're not going to be who, believe who I had lunch with today. I'm like, hey, he's like, I had Jim Joyce. And he, I'm like, no way. He's like, yeah. He's like, and I think they ate there like a Houston's or something. And he, he tells me, he goes, Mike, 
the guy like genuinely, 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 genuinely feels bad to this day about that call. Like he, you know, he, he blew it. Like that's what happened. He, he got caught asleep, <laughs> you know, for a split second and he blew it. Like he didn't know the situation. He was lost. And, but Chris would tell me, he's like, dude, the guy's like, guys would get watery. And the guy like really, 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 really feels bad about that day. Yeah, he, he should. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for him now listening. You know, you know, but, Man, you know. it's it's tough. You know, but before we before we move on to you know really quick to talk a uh, you know a, a little bit more MLB and free agency. Um, you know, you mentioned the importance of academies. You know, how important is it for for a kid now to play in an academy like Diamond Dreams? You know, and learn fundamentals. Diamond Dreams. I'll tell you what I've seen. So I was out of you know obviously when when you have a kid you jump back in the sport. So I was out of the sport for a while, and I've seen the last couple of years the way things operate. Well, the way now nowadays everything's different, right? You know, you got all these travel teams, but they don't really harp on development. So I was telling Mike, I mean, and I've told Mike before, Diamond Dreams, you guys have the perfect formula, the perfect blueprint. You guys are doing it. And I know academies don't exist right now, but Diamond Dreams is an academy. You guys are developing players. This is what you, if you don't, you got to fall in baseball, you got to fall in love with the boring like, you got to fall in love with the board, right? The yeah. repetitiveness, yep. the ground balls, uh, the, the flips a second. Mm-hmm. You got to get everything the perfect. Basics, you, yeah. No player, no, you're not going to be perfect ever, but perfect practice makes you better over time. And and you can't, you know, right now the kids are on their own. You know, if mommy and daddy doesn't take them to a private lesson once or twice a week and they're on one of these travel teams, they're not improving. But but at the same time, a private lesson is not getting you that, exactly. you know, on-field experience and, and all those things I mentioned, the rundowns, like they don't know hitting behind a, you don't know any of that. So there's a lot lacking right now. I don't like the system the way it is, but I guess things evolve and you got to go with the flow and take what works and take what doesn't. But from what I've seen out there now in the past two, three years, Diamond Dreams is where your kid, if you're listening and, and, you're, and you have a kid that you're thinking about, you're on the fence, that's the place you got to go because that's the place they're going to learn and develop. You know, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on the show. I'm saying that because I mean it. Well, the more beginner, the better. The more beginner, right, right, don't be right, afraid. Right. You know, we'll, we'll take you, man. It's a blank canvas. You teach him from 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 the ground up. That's right. Right. I love and, how much the kids me. learn in, in this instructional league. I saw it, you know, in the fall, kids that had no clue. Game one, running to third after hitting the ball, little and by little, all of a sudden, yeah, you know, little. and that's three months. The season's two, yeah. two yeah. three months. It's quick. So and we got 20, about 20 years of this. <laughs> two, two, exactly, two three years on the line. There, yeah, there to, leaps to, and bounds, but to your man. point, you know, at at uh, at Pacual and and uh, international and all that, I remember we would practice and play games. You know, even if it was like inter inter squad games, but you you would learn like the whole thing. You know, and I think it's important to, to and, do and, both. And, and you got, you had guys there that knew baseball; they were baseball. Another coach at Pascual was uh, um, Rolando Casanova. Yeah. Ronaldo Casanova was there. His son was on the team with me. Adrian. Those are guys that knew baseball. Him and yep. Pineda. Just with those two guys, you're going to learn a world of baseball. Yep. No, I you had know? You know, Pineda, and I had a coach, Popeye, who was, who was great. Popeye. You know? Popeye. 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 That was my grandfather's buddy, yeah. And Popeye. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, and Pat, Pat, Patato. Patato yeah, played yeah. in the major leagues, yeah. you know. Scout. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm you sure, didn't have I'm sure he was out at a lot of those games scouting, you know, Mike and a, and a bunch of other people. Yep. He used to scout yep. for the for the Royals for you, a bit. You, you didn't have a lot of people back then blowing smoke. If they were there and they were teaching kids near Miami, they, they knew what they were doing. Yep. They weren't blowing smoke. They, they, you're not going to have Johnny that, that, that played till fifth grade and, and didn't make it in, in middle school, and then now he's over here coaching your kids five, six-year-old. What are they going to learn? They're not going to learn. I always uh, – I've said this story before, but, you know, so we were talking about Pacual. There was a coach named Peewee. 
And Pee Wee was the first coach for coach pitch. And I remember one time, like, there was this kid that was already remember like... Remember Kodinach? Of course. Kodinach was my first coach. Oh, man. <laughs> Kodinach. Oh, I'll show you. I have a picture of them with Kodinach. But, uh, but I, I remember Pee Wee, you know, there was this kid that was just older than everybody else. And this kid, you know, he wasn't very good at mm -hmm. baseball. You know, it's not... You know, let's cut to the chase. It wasn't very good. And the, the dad, you know, pobre, you know, goes up to Pee Wee. Oh, yeah, Pee Wee, que tiene que hacer el muchacho para, para avanzar, you know, to advance. You know. And Pee Wee goes, tu hijo es bueno en la escuela? Sí. Bueno en matemática? Sí. Bueno en, en ciencia? Sí. Bueno, que siga estudiando matemática en ciencia porque en la pelota. No. You know, oh, but like, hey, God. straight to the, you know, it, it was like, uh, hey, you're no taking a play, but... No sugar. Hey, have him study. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a smart kid. He's cerebral, but not not for baseball. And But speaking, you know, baseball, major leagues and all, we're, we're getting a little bit, you know, to it. But, you know, free agency has been nuts. Um, aside from the judge and, you know, money and, and the craziness and the whole Korea thing. You know, like, who's going to tell you a couple of years ago, three years ago, that Aroldis Chapman was going to sign a one-year deal for like three million bucks? With the Kansas City Royals, you know, and it goes back to forget talent. There's a lot that goes into baseball, a lot of intangibles, you know, the discipline and all that right, that right. goes into it. If not one day, people are going to get tired of your ass and you're out. You're out, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I saw, I just found that out right now before our show. Just talk about a guy who, they, who didn't get it. Like, like, he didn't get it. Like, he didn't. He didn't get it. Like, he didn't understand the opportunity. He didn't yeah. understand what he came from. He did it. Just didn't understand. Bad he, attitude. He, he Bad had attitude. a few good years. I mean, the guy yeah, came up in Cincinnati. and was a he was a stud. Yep. Lights out. And he yep. had a few good years. I think after that World Series and that he won for the uh, for the Cubs in '16, I was at that World Series. By the way, crazy. Nice. I think after that, he kind of like you know the Yankees signed him. He was on. He was in that trade. He came yeah, over for Glaber. Glaber Torres. And then he it was a rental. He went back to New York. And after that, it was just started the down. And and that was what five, he's 34 now. I just looked it up when I heard he signed the. Was what he got that be? He a was thong. like 28, 29. He got that he be got a that thong. contract. He got that be a thong in New York. Little again. by little, and, and, and he gave up some big home runs in crucial moments. So that's how he play. Yeah. It was two way. Yeah. Oh, the other guy from Tampa Bay that took it out on him. What's his name? Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Altuve's is still questionable. That one, the jury's still out, no? <laughs> hey, what's he going to pitch? Uh, <laughs> don't oh, remind, don't man, remind. that's awesome. Hey, Beltran, what, what's awesome. coming now? That's awesome. All kidding aside, Altuve's a horse. He's a No, he's a beast. Yeah. Pound yeah, for pound. Like, he's a beast. Just yeah. a tad taller than I am. That's probably one of the guys I'd show Kyle to follow. Yeah, yeah, going, hey, yeah, watch this guy right here. Yeah, watch Trey Turner. That's a guy. Absolutely. Watch, I, watch uh, Bregman. <laughs> yeah. Funny, I mentioned, I mentioned Mike Gallego. One of the and yeah, and uh, the Omar Omar it was after the Falcon and Omar texted me and he goes that's the guy I was That's talking about Mike Gallego because Mike Gallego and Luis Polonia were the short guys. Yeah. I remember when I when I was growing up, and I'm like, man, if Mike Gallego could do it, I could make it to the majors too. You oh, know, yeah, and David Eckstein came oh, later wow, yeah. on and yeah, yeah. and he was short, but yeah, Altuve is a beast, man. You know, he didn't have the best of postseason, but hey, he won, he won yeah. the World Series. He's got oh, plenty of World I'll Series. Altuve's 5'6 or 5'7. Yeah, he's a beast. He's done a lot more than anyone ever expected, probably, when he signed him. No, uh, pound absolutely. for pound, he's he's got to be number one. Animal. I don't care if, if Beltran told you in your ear, hey, it's, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. fastball coming. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. Still got to hit it. But yeah. on to football really quick before we go. Josh Boyer, I said last episode, I wanted to see him gone. He's gone. That defense... There's no excuse if you have Bradley Chubb and 
and and uh, Jalen Phillips and and Wilkins, that defense, that you underperform. That guy did not know how to adjust to start a game. He would adjust later on, and they started playing better. But Josh Boyer, I was never a fan of. The year that the last year that Brian Flores was here, Brian Flores at some point took took the you know the the clipboard. He took the clipboard, and they started winning, and the defense looked a lot better and aggressive and all that. And it wasn't Josh Boyer; it was Brian Flores. And Brian Flores, you know, to his credit, not a Brian Flores fan anymore, but to his credit at the time, he said, "You know what?" Um, Josh Boyer is our DC. He's the one calling the plays. So was he calling the plays? I don't think he was. And this year, that defense looked pretty damn bad. They looked bad. They didn't create turnovers. And he's the first casualty. Him and a few other defensive assistants. Yes, the offense needs some some stuff. You know, Mike is... I already know where Mike, where Mike is going vocal. at. Mike's he, been very he, 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 he wants to go back. We need a quarterback guy. Mike wants to go back. He wants Dan Marino. What's the word? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> e we need a quarterback. <laughs> I just don't understand how you guys don't get it. He wants like, a big dude. But but hey, look at the Niners. And yes, Brock Purdy is, you know, no pun intended, a pretty little player. But dad jokes, dad jokes, dad jokes. But but, hey, they, they haven't won 11 in a row just because of Brock but Purdy. They win because their defense. defense is stacked. That defense, right. He hasn't made rookie mistakes. He has not. He's so, so he, he's doing his job. Stacked. That's all he's got to do, do his job. Although I think they're going to be, I think they beat Dallas and then they lose to Philly. That's I, what think, I, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Same I think right. the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs. They're going to they're gonna win out like that 2000 South Miami baseball team <laughs> and win the Super Bowl. <laughs> wow. You imagine. So, what do they do then with Trey Lance? They got a great. He's going to keep Purdy. They got to trade trade him to the trade him to the Dolphins. The guy's six four. He fits the mold. The Mike Quintana. We haven't had a chance to see him in the league yet because he's hurt. (laughs) He played pretty good his rookie year, and then he he got hurt. I mean, this may be a guy that, like we were saying, you know, it's a guy that just recurring injuries and never makes it. But how about a fresh start with the guy who used to be his offensive coordinator in Miami? Yeah, that's a good point. But but what are the Dolphins? What's the deal with Tua Amando? Well, he's, what's he's what's the word? He's, he's, gonna, he's gonna come back. How do you, how do you how do you how do you win in this situation right now? If you're the Miami Dolphins, look, I think Tua. Came how do you know? But how do you win in this situation? I will tell you how the, how Miami Dolphins win in this situation. How do they win in this situation? They win in this situation by doing the right thing for Tua. And that guy can't play anymore, dude. It's over. Listen. Listen. He wants to play though. Okay, I get but it. They, but they can't be the they can't be the ones that tell him. But he, here, here, here's the thing though. As a, okay, so as an organization, okay, let's hit the fast forward button. How how many months they have of off season now? Till till August. Til August, yeah. and then they go to camp. Well, no, July okay. uh, they go yeah. to camp. So let's, July go, they go to camp. let's go into opening weekend. Let's give them until week three. Bro, he's gonna get smacked, bro. He's gonna get smacked. He's gonna, he's gonna fall. I don't disagree. He's with gonna you, get a concussion, and he then I get how, it. He doesn't but, know how to fall. But as an organization, at all. as an organization, that this one little decision of saying we're gonna stick with Tua, he's gonna be good. If Tua gets his a concussion next season, which he is, do you just wasted a whole year? You wasted a whole year for what? You do the right thing that you have to do as a human being. You do the right thing that you have to do as an organization. You take the hit. The Marlins took the hit with 
the disastrous accident of Jose Fernandez at the end of the day, it was terrible, but the Marlins took a big hit there with that, with their roster and with the value of the team, took a big hit. Like, the Dolphins are going to have to take this hit and do the right thing for him. That guy cannot play again. That guy cannot play again. It's dangerous. I think 201, he wants to play. Two, he's cheap. He's still in his rookie contract. Nine, nine so mil, about about that, nine mil. Nine million. Nine million. That, that plays into it. Too. That plays, that into, plays it into it big time. time. Any, any quarterback right now they're going to pick up off the market is going to be expensive. Brady, Brady, Brady's going to cost money. they got to take the hit. Aaron Rodgers is going to... Lamar, you better Lamar, open up your checkbook. You know? Lamar will yeah. become the highest right. paid quarterback. Okay so, okay, so we prepare two of the play next season. We go into the same backup and the same third string that we have. No, they need to get okay, a different but, backup. Okay, okay, okay. okay you so, definitely need a better backup. Yeah, okay, so. so he's got to be really good because he's going to have to replace Tua. Tua's going to get hit again and he's going to get hurt. And let me tell you, um, I'm not a doctor, but they say that the more concussions you have, the easier it becomes to get them. To get more, is yeah. that correct? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and guys. I, I read this week. They're gonna put C- a special. C-C-E. They're gonna put a double helmet on this guy. What are they gonna do with no, this guy? I, like spaceballs. I, I read oh, they're right. actually gonna work with him on how to fall. He he turns on his back. He if needs you to notice like when he's getting w- sacked, he turns on his back, so he hits the back of his head. I'm not even joking when I say this. He should go train with WWE guys. Like you know, and I and I'm you know, and I'm saying this because they're you know compatriotas or whatever. But like the Usos or Roman Reigns, you know, The Rock, you know, learn how to fall. Go like to one of these schools. Like these it's guys, enough, these guys man. know how to know enough. how to fall. Protect your dome. The guy said, "Meto uno cogotazo." But look, that, but that's why I I think the Trey Lance thing makes all the sense in the world. What are the What are the Niners gonna ask for Trey Lance? Let's say it's a third or a fourth. Oh, yeah, we'll but take Brock they, Purdy. You get <laughs> we'll take Purdy. <laughs> that's their starter I'll now. I'll take for, him. For that, that's that's I, I the guy. That's I'm their starter that from now on. Listen, you think the, so? The whole no, if, yeah. If yeah. they lose this week or next week, he, and they're gonna, out. he has to be their starter. You think so? Wow. Listen, they're gonna do like Dolphins. They're gonna do like what Arizona did to Josh Rosen. You're done after a year. We're changing philosophy. Yep. We're going Kyler Murray. That's it. Ship him out. Wow. Oh yeah, Tua already proved that he wanted to play. By staying in that Buffalo game. Okay. Two already proved he wanted to play when he came back after concussion number one and concussion number two. Get that guy to me, you know, because, like, my, I had this conversation with my brother. My brother, after the, the the finger one, was like, yeah, you know, this guy's, you know, got to be done, you know. And I had gotten a conversation with him because I told him, like, in the, the, the first time that it happened that he stayed in the game, like, I understand that. Like, I get it. You're hurt. You're staying in the game, and, and and that to me, yeah, to me, dude, the guy's a horse, dude, and I get it. It was the moment for it. He came in, and then the following week, he came back to play a little too soon, where he got hurt again. So yeah, to me, like, dude, the guy's from Kauaio. Like, you're, you're you're ultimate warrior, bro. I get it. I get it. Like, I've been there. We we've had the stories about the the taking the drug, the medicines, the drugs, the Advils, all that stuff to get ready to go. We've talked about that. So I get it, but. I think, yeah, with this guy, dude, that finger cross-up, guys, that image hasn't left my brain, and I think that uh, that we're talking about life or death here. Well, yeah, aside from, from baseball, my favorite sport in the world is boxing. I'm a big boxing guy. I covered boxing for many, many, many years, and you, you don't know how many fighters I came across, you know, years, years later, and you're talking to them, and they're like, hey, what's up, Mike? And, and you can barely understand what they're saying. And you're still fighting. And you're still fighting. One of my favorite fighters of all time, Roy Jones Jr., 
got knocked out twice nasty against Antonio Tarver and Glenn Johnson. He came back, fought a couple of decent fights, and then just kept getting knocked out, getting knocked out, and getting knocked out. And, you know, and he still seems to have his faculties about him. We think. We don't know the headaches he has behind closed doors or forgetting stuff or whatever. I see it with boxing all the time. And, yeah, Mike, you have a point. Like, Tua, Tua's probably going to get to the point he shouldn't be playing anymore. But right now, if he wants to play, they clear him. He's cheap. Like, the Dolphins aren't going to cut him loose and have him go to another team. Yeah, well... Unfortunately, I, you know... I, I, I think... Hopefully, from, hopefully, you know... I he think... He avoids it, but I don't see how he could, he could avoid it playing in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think from the team standpoint, the only reason they're even saying we're going to give him another year, he's our guy next year, is because the first half of the year, he flourished in that offense. He did well. The first half of the year... He did when, well. he was, when he was in there, he, he was... He was he a he pro bowler. Well. You know, he that Baltimore well. game. Like, who expected that, right? Yeah. But there's a saying that, that goes, availability... Is your what is it? availability is your is your biggest no availability is your biggest ability or something like, like that. Like what you I, said, if you're like not he's available, not able to play. You're not able. He's right? not able to play. Not that he can play. Remember what you said. He's just not able to play. That but from two, and from to a standpoint, the reason why he's kind of brushing off what people are saying about your health and your future and this is your, this is your head you're playing with. It's because yep. he doesn't have that big contract yet where he guaranteed yeah. 25, 30 mil for his family. Yeah. I see what he's doing. Yeah. He has maybe two, what, two? I don't know. I mean, what are the rookie contracts in the NFL? Is it maybe two more years and then he, <laughs> he can sign an extension? And maybe at that point, it's not obviously fully guaranteed, but That's 18, 20, 25 mil guaranteed. Dude. I did my job. Yeah, it, it it's sucks, a lot man. of risk. It's a lot of, but, it's a lot of snaps. But That's we cannot wait. You can't waste. Um, What's his name? Tyreek Hill's prime. No, you can't no, waste that. You can. You, you can. can't waste that. You, you can. have everything. And, and, you have every and, other and piece and, that you need right now. And Jalen Waddle. Yeah, man. Look, if, if I were the GM of the Miami Dolphins, I I'd be I, I would make a trade for Aaron Rodgers. That's just me. He wants out of Green Bay. Green Bay's never given him the love. Mm. You know, they never drafted a a first round pick. Yeah, he he had great receivers along the way, but how many of those receivers were maybe great because he was throwing to them? Now he has Tyreek and Jalen Waddle in his final yeah, two years. We gotta bring in you cannot waste either him or Tom. You can't waste it. Tyreek's either him or Tom. That's it. Either him or Brady. One but of those two. Brady, Brady, or Lamar, which is one of those be a two. Bag, Brady had a two. crap game the other day, okay. and then at the end he was just like throwing peas. That yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, is he gonna pull this off at the end? I don't know, man. I think Brady's got into that point where he's just playing because he loves it, and he's not the same guy anymore. You know? Yeah. I, I I would hate to see a guy like Brady finish off what? his career mediocre. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see oh. him with the two receivers, though. <laughs> yeah, that make Dang. things easier. <laughs> but, Carlos, dude, thank you for joining us here at Damages Miami Up and In. This has been a lot of fun, man. What Pleasure, a fun man. episode. Pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for having so me, man. I feel thank we could have gotten talking for, for a lot longer. <laughs> Coley Notch. Coley. <laughs> I'll show you the Coley Notch picture. Hey, 18 on deck, eh? 18. Mike, who do we have next week? We got on Tuesday, we got Luis Rivera, right? Oof. He's uh, now the defensive coordinator for the uh, Mets. He was the A-ball, uh, short-season A-ball Brooklyn Cyclones manager. He's got yes, a kid yes, in our yes, 7 yes. division. And uh, he's assistant right now to Miguel Cairo in the wow. Mets organization. So we'll have him on on Tuesday. Looking forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to that. Very and, nice. and you know, and thank you for all the listens, man. Like, Keep them coming. It, 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 you know, it makes me happy when guys like Carlos say, hey, I've, I've listened to all the episodes and other people that they've listened to a few and they're catching up. Continue listening, man. I'm, you know, I'm glad for the support. Continue supporting us. We got some really good stuff coming up, Mike. Right? Can't wait. Can't wait. Catch us in, on episode 18 next Tuesday. See ya.